0: There's really not a reason to, to move to a different stage as long as everything's going fine, as long as it fits our need, our daily life, our experience with the world, the worldviews, uh, the inputs and outputs line up. It's it's when we hit the cognitive distance, it's when things don't work anymore, it's when the gears get grinded and clogged, that we have the opportunity to move to a different stage. Uh, some folks will... Will double down and and blame and externalize and uh, find other reasons other than uh, examining their own belief system for what they're experiencing. Uh, for people who move through the stages, that's usually the opportunity to reexamine, to process, to deconstruct, to exchange, to try on something different, to explore, to read a different book, to listen to a different podcast, and find out, wow, maybe there is another way to see this, another way to to view this, and so. For me, that's that's this has walked hand in hand with my evolving faith.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Communitas Podcast. And today, I think we're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, Joy and I are having a conversation with Matt Daniels and Stephen. Preston. yes, they are related Joy and Stephen are husband and wife. And uh, we're going to explore what may be kind of a geeky topic for a number of people, but we're going to look at something called spiral dynamics. And we have two people with us and Matt and Stephen that have done a fair amount of study into this topic. Um, they know far more about it than than certainly I do and uh, we'd love to hear about how some of this has impacted them and how it fits in. Um, so thank you, Matt and Stephen, for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Why don't we start, Matt, um, just give us a brief kind of bio background and, and maybe how you got interested in this particular topic. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Tony, my wife and I are, um,
2: long-term members of the Communitas family, uh, going back to, uh. 1995, sitting in a seminary classroom, uh, watching videos about Crossroads Amsterdam and a church in Barcelona, and had a lot more hair then and was a lot younger then. And, uh, was really like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be like these European missionary people. <laughs> but what I sensed, I think what I sensed, it's probably germane to the topic. I think what I sensed in, um, uh, you know, the, the CA now community family back then was uh, was wow, there's really something different here that resonates with um, with the world I grew up in. I always grew up outside of a church. We moved around a lot and um, and typically what I experienced in church uh, as a consummate outsider um, was not what I experienced in what I knew to be the arms of Jesus. And uh, it's so easy to church bash. So I don't mean any of that negatively. It's just people are people wherever you go. And um, if you, you know, if you meet people other than Jesus in a church, then, you know, those people are in the exact right place where they need to be, uh, including myself. So growing up, I, but but I but I, I felt in my flesh this disconnect between uh, the body of Christ, the person of Christ, and the world that I lived in, and um, and I can remember you know first few conversations with some of the 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 early people I met um, in this communitas family that I went, yeah, uh, I mean, we were looking at a lot of different options to do church planting, felt a strong church planting vocational call. And knew ultimately, you know, it's uh, it's not really just where we're going to do it or how we're going to do it, but it's also with whom um, we're going to do this thing. And uh, and so we um, fell in love with uh, Communitas, um, but we're headed to South America instead. And um, so we just we stayed in touch. We had a great friendship with uh, founder Linus Morris. And um, and then deepened that friendship with several other people. Made several attempts to uh, land in the family. And uh, 2004, 2005, um, I remember a conversation with uh, with Linus Morris where I said, you know, hey, not sure if we're going to be staying with the organization we're with right now, but uh, there might come a moment when uh, we might end up knocking on your door. And in good Linus fashion, he says, well. Hey Matt, we've been we've been knocking on your door for about 4 or 5 years and we're just ready for you to open up. And uh so we we became part of the Communitas family and had a career of church planting for about 18 years in total in Uruguay, Montevideo, Uruguay, South America, very postmodern, very green uh, as we get into the spiral dynamics uh conversation uh environment and um Due to some family needs, we made a pivot in 2014, 2015, and came back stateside. So uh, I have always, it's very interesting in my my official vocational missionary career, I always, um, in order to best fit in and not scare the people around me that I was trying to share the gospel with, I was always trying really hard to not look like a religious professional. And I uh, found that when I came back stateside, uh, God opened the doors for me to jump into something similar I was doing uh, in Uruguay, sort of hiding out as a covert missionary and allowed me to continue doing something very similar to that stateside, um, except now receiving a paycheck instead of raising support. So that's, so that's been an interesting switch. So yeah, I think that's, that's it. Uh, three, three biological kids, one adopted adult child, a dog and a cat. Um, so.
1: And, and Steven, we'll, we'll get to you in just a moment, but, uh, why, what got you into spiral dynamics?
2: Yeah. Um, I have always been trying to understand, uh, the the, the whole project. Um, I have, Uh, I traveled since I was a, since I was a little kid, I left some of that stuff out. I, you know, I got to spend a summer in Kenya when I was really young. I spent a summer in Australia when I was really young. Uh, I spent several weeks, um, uh, in an Amazon village with a tribe. And, um, I have always sensed that there is more going on than the simplified explanations, um, that were given about who are the in people and who are the out people and who are the ones that need saving and who are the ones who are saved. And, uh, if, if you're an, an you know, another geeky topic, Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram nine. So I'm, you know, want to be at peace with the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, my strength finders profo- profile is one of connectedness. So I palpably feel the connections and the disconnections, um, you know, a- across space and time and, you know, passionately interested in, you know, uh, church planting work, you know, pastoral vocations of any sort, these, these are change vocations. And so you're always saying, you know, what is what is the nature of the changes that need to happen? Where are we now? Where do we want to go? And your mind is perpetually, whether you're doing one-on-one discipleship, mentorship, or coaching, or you're working with a team to move an organization forward, or you're thinking ultimately about Hey, what's the strategy, you know, for um, for moving a whole city forward, or moving a whole nation, and then most globally, you know, um, is there somebody smart enough to keep us all from blowing each other up? And if I could find them, I would love to listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. So it was probably in the latter, the very last ladder question that had me always, always, always perpetually scanning everything. And um, and if you see a book cover that's got really cool rainbow colors on it, and it says something cool like spiral dynamics, oh, that's got to be that's sort of a mystical feel. At the same time, it's about change and growth and development. And um, and then it was you know fit what I was reading already. And then I was like, oh, this has
1: tremendous explanatory power for all the big questions I have. Well, right on. Kind of sounds like going to a Grateful Dead concert, but that's that's another <laughs> that's another podcast. Um, yeah. Uh caveat here, Stephen, Preston, we've known each other. We've been good friends for a number of years and, uh, and Joy, you know, works with us in Communitas. So um there's quite a connection there. Um, We started a conversation some time ago on this idea of spiral dynamics. But Stephen, give us a little bit of a a, a history background for you and what, what led you into this topic.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I started out my adult life. Uh, heading off to Bible school, jumped on a plane with a one-way ticket and a suitcase, and thought, I'm out of this podunk North Idaho town, and I'm going to go to a small Bible school outside of Rochester, New York, and find my calling, and uh, of course, meet a wife, which is what you do when you go to Bible college, and uh, that part came true. Met Joy, as you already mentioned, and she was there for similar reasons, and uh, the school we were at is a a heavily uh, Missions Emphasis School, Elam Bible Institute. Most people haven't heard of it. If you're not from the Northeast, many of our listeners are from the uh, central New York area. You've probably come across an, an Elam church. Uh, so we went there for three years, three-year college, uh, graduated all throughout. We were answering altar calls to be sent off to the field, to, to the mission field, to Africa. And the more exotic, the better, of course, when you're 19, 20 years old. And so... Uh, Didn't end up going too far away. We started uh, working for a church after graduation as youth pastors, uh, were mentored by the senior pastor for a number of years, and uh, eventually moved out of that due to finances at the church and a growing family. We now had three kids, and I needed to work, and Joy was taking great care of the kids, and we started homeschooling. So we eventually moved out of church work and then began a process of moving out of institutional church altogether as a result of uh, breeding such heretics as Brian McLaren, uh, who introduced us to some ideas that uh, didn't fit our up to that point uh, theology. And so we began expanding. We started having small groups in our home of other disenfranchised uh, Christ followers at that time. and and then eventually moved back to Idaho, where my family is, and that's of course how we ran into Jeff and Christy, uh, eventually. So now we've been outside of church for probably going on two decades now and exploring faith and spirituality uh, in all different areas. One of the uh, people that I have aligned myself with is uh, Rob Bell. He used to be the pastor of Marshfield Bible Church in Michigan, and then he moved out california he's written a number of books as a podcast and so i followed him for a long time and he did a robcast that's what he calls his podcast he did a broadcast called me we and everybody i think or me we and everyone and that was his way of introducing his listeners to the concept of spiral dynamics and integral theory uh which includes you know ken wilbur building on spiral dynamics and a bunch of other things and so I listened to these three episodes uh, by Robert Bell, and really got me curious and excited to really explore that in a in a further dimension. So that kind of sent me down the rabbit hole. I started, you know, searching online, getting everything I could read by Ken Wilber. Um, you know, so went back to the source of some of the other guys who who started at Don Beck and Claire Graves and those guys. Started reading everything I could by them, um, and just fascinating. Telling everybody. I could, Meet about it. Uh, wow, there's this whole thing, uh, universal, like you said, Matt, the universal theory to bind it all together, the string theory, the where, where's this all coming from? I also really appreciated what it gave me the ability to understand where other folks were coming from that didn't see the world the way I do. And that's always been important to me to understand where's this other person coming from? How can I relate to them? Of course, they don't see it the way that I did, because if they did, they would be doing it the way I'm doing it, obviously. <laughs> And so, let me get behind the curtain of, of their thinking, their mindset, their perspective, and Spiral Dynamics is a tremendous tool uh, for that uh, endeavor, for that purpose. And so, I dove in, learned everything I could. We, Joy and I, took a, a Mind Valley course. It's an online uh, program that offers all kinds of different courses you can take. And Ken Wilber had one on. Um, to integral theory and so we took that and you get a workbook and we studied I eventually built my own uh, slideshow and keynote with uh, all the different memes represented all the different colors and movie references and descriptions so I could show my friends you know people come over and like, hey you gotta watch the slideshow I built and instead of showing them pictures of our vacation you know I make them watch uh, spiral dynamics, so that's always fun. You have to you, you, for, like for put me.
2: put a beer in their hand first, so they're trapped. Right. And then <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. And if, if and the beer is empty, you got to give them another one. Put it on your, yeah. <laughs> Keep, them <hooked. laughs> Keep them hooked. Exactly. So it's it's a joy for me to talk about. It's a joy for me to explain to other people to watch the the light bulbs come in because I remember that happening for me so many times. And, oh, that makes sense. Okay, that explains this person, my upbringing, uh, the people I interact with, the uh, people I disagree with on social media, the politicians who, the list goes on. It just, it brings so many things into focus for me. Uh, So I've really appreciated that as a a way of looking at the world and perspective. And Mm. um, yeah, so I think that's in a nutshell what's got us to this point.
1: Nice. Uh guys, thanks for, for that introduction. Um, it, it is fascinating. I, I mean, each of you kind of came into this from different, different perspective. Uh Matt, I'm really intrigued that it was, it sounds like it was your interaction in other cultures um that, that kind of started have you asking the hard questions yeah. um and other ways of approaching knowledge. It's an epistemological right. kind of a conversation, actually. Um, mm-hmm. but also, you know, how culture is e- even set up with, with status or, uh, strata, as we might call it. Um, although all those things play into, I think this, this conversation. So, I mean, we're a ways into the podcast already and we haven't even defined, um, uh, <laughs> spiral dynamics. <Right. laughs> uh, so guys, why, Matt, why don't we start with you? What, what would be a layman's definition of what this is?
2: Yeah, I thought I thought about this. So, Stephen, Stephen, you can you can you can weigh in on it, too. I, I took some time to write a few things down because I really thought oh, this thing in a nutshell. So here is my here I, is my. Go ahead, Stephen. I'm glad you're going
0: first. That's all I want to say. So, yeah, please.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is I mean, it gets down to the weeds, but it starts. I'm trying to make it simple. So the best thing I come up with is. A a technology. So it's a sort of a thought technology. It's sort of a lens uh, technology for understanding the social contexts, big, you know, small, bigger, and bigger, in which we live and work, which also gives us tools to be effective change agents and bridge builders in any contexts that we might enter. So that's a little abstract, but I could sort of leave it there or I could, you know, mm-hmm. well, I sort of go in a different direction there. But I think that's that gives an initial thing. And it just sort of yeah. helps me understand the times where where people have been, make space for that, put everything in context in kind of a non demonizing way. Right. Um. But then helps me align with, well, you know, not where do I think someone ought to be, but where. Where does maybe my reference of the kingdom of God, you know or if, if I was doing a non-religious point of view, maybe my reference is beauty, goodness and truth, you know, what is that asking? What is that asking for what's next for the the people and not how can I change them to become more like me, but how can I collaboratively enter into um, exactly where all of us are right now, but say yes to where uh, where really, in my mind, the Spirit of God is moving, Us and the whole project toward and and effectively cooperate. That be a bridge builder between what's now and what's emerging. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I I like that um, that definition. And I mean, from that standpoint, that definition is is one I think people would hear and say, "Show me all about that." I mean, that sounds that Mm -hmm. sounds good to me. We'll 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 try to if we can. Maybe there's not even a dark side to uncover in all this, but. you know, that that's a that those are rose-colored glasses. Uh mm. and and maybe they always are for for this this particular topic. Uh Stephen, this mm-hmm. goes back quite some ways. I mean, I think to the 50s or or certainly the 60s, but the first article I think that really supported a lot of this was Graves in 1966, uh, published in the Harvard Business Review. <laughs> kind of a, a thought around this. So just give us a little historical perspective. This, this isn't a, a Christian, uh, theory or methodology. Uh, it goes back some time. And when you look at all of the things that have been published around it, we're talking about heavy hitting kinds of philosophical business. Um, a lot of different elements in, uh, very respe- respected, uh, journals and, and so forth. So give us a little bit of that. Right.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm not an expert on the history. I can give you what I've discovered in, in my own journey. Uh, like you said, Claire Graves really made it, uh, codified it for, for the modern era. And um, he was the first. I'm just looking at a, a little reference here. There's there's other similar versions out there that have been done by other uh, smart people uh, throughout the, the centuries. Now, this is just the most modern or most recent one. And like you said, it came from academia, from uh, the world of psychology and uh, claire graves's you know mission or or reason for doing it was just like we've been talking about to simply explain that different people have different modes or ways of being in the world different biases and things that uh, influence them and uh, presented it as a, as a as a as a fact as a biological reality um, and then from my understanding Don Beck and Christopher Cohen picked it up and really put it into an accessible format, took it out of academia and made it accessible to the rest of us. And then those two guys had a chance to field test it uh, in South Africa during apartheid to help Mandela and other political leaders uh, figure out how to uh, basically code switch between different cultures, different ethnicities, different uh, worldviews, value systems, means as it's referred to in, in this world, uh, but different ways of, of viewing reality. And so they got a chance to not only say, well, this is a cool theory. Here's how it's working to help, um, you know, move the human project forward in a way that's, you know, beneficial and profitable. And so it's um, then been picked up by people like Ken Wilber, who have integrated it into a bigger concept of, of uh, reality. Um, so. That's my, my quick synopsis of it from what I know.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Good. Um, as we, as we get into some of the specifics of the the concept, um, I mean, there are lots of colors and stages. I mean, you could look at this almost as, um, mm, I don't mean this to sound derogatory, but stages of maturity, you could look at Mm -hmm. it as almost stages of faith. in in our Mm -hmm. context, um growing from one to another or or shifting from one to another from uh simple to more complex to uh engaging mystery at a certain level, all 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 those those various things. Um and and we don't have in a podcast, we don't we don't have (laughs) the ability to show the pictures and and drawings and so forth. But in in a sense this this kind of reminds me of almost like a DNA molecule or a helix. so, maybe go through there are various colors that are represented and and those represent certain attributes or or even um, different stages, perhaps of life. Give Give some more context to some of that,
0: yeah, well, I'd love to just jump in real quick if I can, matt, and and piggyback on a couple of things that you said there, Jeff. Um, I think it's important in our in our mindset we we understand dominate our hierarchies very well we understand there's a boss and there's employees um we understand that there's people with power and there's people without power and this model what i find and i think so many people do so uh, refreshing about it is even though we have to place things in a certain order because that's the way we can perceive and communicate things it's a different type of order than what we're used to, especially when we talk about words like stages or development. We always think of better or worse or good to better or some sort of uh, linear movement. And what Spiral Dynamics over and over again seeks to reinforce is not a dominator hierarchy where there's a the better and an under, or upper and a lower. Uh, what they call is growth hierarchies and its levels of complexity, like you said. And so... Uh, one of the things that's often referenced in these different stages, and again, we use stages not to say one is better than the other or higher than the other. they're just different to delineate the stages. Uh, you can think of stages much like when you look at it from a uh, a growth hierarchy, you see that you you can start off in the in biology with something as simple as an atom and then, We get to the next level of a growth hierarchy, we might have a molecule. And then from a molecule, we would have an organism, simple organism. And from a simple organism, we might move to a plant, to an animal, to a a human being. And and none of those are better or worse than the other. And an atom is not inferior to a molecule because without an atom, a molecule can't exist. And so you get stages of complexity, of increasing complexity as you go from an atom to an animal. And what I've heard others point out is that an atom can't get cancer yet a dog can and so just because you're more complex doesn't necessarily mean you're more you know, more significant you're more valuable you're better in any, any sort of way you have uh, maybe more things to offer and you also have more complications and so an atom or a molecule is much simpler yet it's a pivotal building block it's foundational to those more complicated things even existing in the first place and so as we talk about these different stages we're going to have simple stages uh, and then we're going to have more and more complex stages as we as we go through the the spiral, the ascending spiral, which even using the word ascending is a bit misleading. It's just what we have to use to place it in, in space. So I'll let you j- jump in from there, Matt, if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, I, I
2: will. Um, you had... Uh... Jeff, you mentioned colors. In fact, I think one of the reasons, at least as Don Beck says, why why they jumped into colors, uh, a, a couple reasons. Um, one was the context in Africa, when people were focused, were you brown, black, or white? And mm-hmm. everybody was putting the the problems as racial problems. Yeah. And so they really wanted to break people out of that. So they said, hey, th- there are ways of thinking that are more or less um, that I don't even say more or less complex ways of thinking, because again, that sounds like one's better in one's, but can handle greater degrees of complexity. Um, and, uh, or, or that it can't, because they've been through certain processes have been faced for longer seasons of time with greater levels of complexity. And so therefore, that's actually what provo- provokes the growth of it. But also when you are um, dealing with you know like green and orange and blue and yellow you're not saying are you a stage 1 or are you a stage 2 or are you a stage 3 or are you a stage 4 mm-hmm. so i think just again reinfor- reinforcing that that hierarchy and and there are a couple you know the, the, in in the sense that this wasn't a couple ways in which this is not new like we could say to someone wow if you've never looked at you know, Maslow or Lovenger or um, uh, Piaget or any other people that you would have studied in a child development class, like just take some time to Google developmental psychology and just get your mm-hmm. head around that, just even from childhood development, you know, exactly. so... Right. Basic things like, you know, if you have a ball that's black on one side and red on the other, and the kid's on the black side, and you show, you can show them your red side of the ball, right? And you can say, what color is is the ball? And they're looking at their side, they're going to say it's black, even though you showed them red. And because they're biologically incapable of handling this sense of like, there's this thing out there called an other and they have a different opinion than me. And so there is there is a natural sequences, as as Stephen mentioned, Rob Bell's podcast of the what was it, me, we, and all of us?
0: Yeah, me, we and everybody, something like me, that. Me, we mm-hmm.
2: and everybody, um, you know, a sense of a real basic almost biological growth phase that you go through as a kid of, you know, that that another way of a more nerdy way of saying that is egocentrism, ethnocentrism, and world centrism. Um mm-hmm. So I can, you know, I can think about, I can take everybody's uh, opinion, a person who, a person who can take everybody's opinion into account. Um, and like, this is uh, just another example. When they say, you say to a, a kid, well, we want what's fair. Well, again, sort of biologically and psychologically, a kid can only think what's fair for me. Well, if like, we want what's fair. Yeah, I want what's fair. I want a whole Coke. They're like, well, there's only enough for one glass of Coke at all to split. So we need, everybody needs a third glass of Coke. Well, that's not fair. Because they can't do that, so a level of complexity can say, "Wow, there's one whole glass of Coke to split among three of us. If we all need a glass of Coke, you know, then we each get a third of a glass." And maybe the most advanced kid in the room is like, "Yeah, but the neighbors are in the houses beside us, so maybe we get one drink each." And we all get, you know, that's sort of the me, we, and and all of us, or me, we, and everybody. And um, and so uh, the that that is in a nutshell. Um, what you're dealing with, the spiral dynamics or integral theory. And and historically, they have looked at um, Don Beck to some degree has said, yeah, you in some way, the adult human development, which, again, lying in the sand, most of us are taught to think that once you hit 21, you're done, or at least we don't sort of. We don't think that anymore, but we still feel that, you know, yeah. I get them through college and then your brain is frozen and you pretty much do the same way throughout your adult life or largely throughout the church. And maybe the best way we grow is like, I got to learn more Bible. You know, if I'm a Christian, if I'm in a church, you know, it's just, it's a matter of packing more information, maybe some skill practice, but you don't think like, wow, there's whole worlds that are opening up inside me as I march this thing called life. Um, and a lot of people don't. So developmental psychology, it's out there. You got to look at it. And then among that, there's several schools of this. And then in particular. Hold on a second. Sorry, my screen just flipped. I want to make sure we're all still here. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the the unique piece of the technology that um, Stevie might have referenced it already, that that I see among integral and spiral dynamics that, that I haven't is. Yeah, there's, there's certain ways of dealing with levels of complexity. So, you know, you won't go into each one of them, but in essence, you could say, you know, tribalistic. Everybody does what the chief says. And after that's traditional. Everybody does what the rules say or what the gods says. Then after that, you have modern. So it's like everybody figure out a better way to do it. You know, and each one of these comes online in different points uh, throughout history as we're faced with, you know, each, each precondition sets up, a problem for the next one to solve. And so we, you know, we we get uh, modernism and, and modernism, we figure out ways that the whole world is this big, huge, giant machine, and we can tweak all the levers to create maximum production. And then somebody says, whoa, 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 we're about to blow the whole thing up. And now some people have risen to the top because they had more money or they were smarter or they worked harder, but there's a whole bunch of people that are left behind. Those people also have value. And so then the next layer comes online, a postmodern, which says, let's flatten all the hierarchies let's make everybody equal every voice matters and one of the things that each of these stages of development does is it looks at all the others as wrong bad or evil and says we are the most evolved everybody needs to be like us and everything else before us sort of needs to get erased so what what claire graves and some other people noticed is like whoa we're actually in a stage now where we're actually reflecting on these different stages for the first time And we're saying that each one of these stages is an absolutely vital process that has to be gone through. In fact, this is a natural continuum of human development, societal development. And unless you've done some of the earlier processes, you can't skip ahead. And if I'm going to be in a situation where I am faced with uh, a raid on my house by people who are coming in, I, I, I need something that's really simple, not complex. I'm not going to be sitting down thinking about egalitarianism between me and the invader and just tell me your story and let's just get in touch with our hearts. I'm going to say, how do I shut down this invasion as fast as possible? That's a very early stage of development. And uh, Claire Graves looked back and said, You go through a certain amount of these stages of development, and then you reach a point where you cross out of the sense of like, well, my stage is better. Well, now my stage is better. Well, now my stage is better. You cross a threshold, which he refers to as first tier and second tier thinking, where you now have the capacity to look back at all the different stages of development and go, this is really beautiful about this stage. This is really beautiful about this stage. This is really beautiful about this stage. And he imagined a concept that he would refer to as spiral wizards. So these were people that could, they could sort of embed themselves in any place on the spiral and speak the language and mirror the thought patterns and resonate and attune with people that are there. So, so anybody would say, wow, that guy's one of us. No, he's one of us. He's one of us. Or that gal is one of us and meet them where they are completely and dynamically. And then ask the kind of questions that could help slowly help them grow, or help them make sense of the world at the level which they were in, and help them grow instead of just shutting a whole that whole population down. Um, it, it allowed you to meet people and to lead people. So mm-hmm. I'll stop there. If anybody else got something you want to throw in the mix,
1: well, I mean th- it, that's fascinating in that you know not putting scientific names or theories behind it. Um, that's the experience of Communitas. And it's 50 years of kind of figuring this out. And we would call that now embedding, right? You you right. exegete a culture, you understand it, you communicate with it, you're invited into it. Um, you're embedding in a culture in a place. Um, so yeah, that this this is a skill set that I think is critically important. Um
2: yeah. Yeah, 2006 at the uh, at the at the Europe connect it was really it was very interesting because you know I, I would look at if we looked at this in the church you know traditional church which you know everybody was for the you know the high impact church Linus's you know original book I think was in line with what was happening at the time with uh, uh, Saddleback and with uh, Willow Creek that this was sort of again, if you jump into this, this is the orange this is a growth into an orange paradigm out of a blue paradigm of Christianity. And that, that stuck around for about 20 years before all the emergent church came. And the emergent church is just this most beautiful deep green, right? And it's yeah. and it's this corrective. Um, you know, for everything that's happening there. And even with our ranks at the time, and probably these levels of complexity are really what gave birth to, I think the dynamic adventure, some of the stuff that Dan Steigerwald and other people were doing, all of us wrote a book together about bloom where you're planted. Yeah. I think we're trying to say, cause everybody was kind of saying, well, no, you know, it's, it's gotta be an apple. It's got the beautiful skin on the outside and the core on the inside. It's gotta look like what Linus was doing in Geneva or in, in Amsterdam. And it was like, no, if it's not a pub like it is in Brussels, It doesn't count. No, it's got to be a bead shop like it is in Scotland. And really, I think we became a people that, you know, even if you'd never read a book, you became a people that said probably by virtue of the spirit of Christ um, being deeply embedded. That sounds awful. That's like we had some inside angle on the spirit that other people didn't. And I don't (laughs) think that. But you're being carried along. But I will say this. I mean, I think when you're trying to church plant in a postmodern context, that's, that's, if it's not hostile to your body, it's hostile to your paradigms. Hmm. So it starts to deconstruct you and you wrestle, you wrestle, uh, when you're out there without a family, you have this sort of new family that you're making called a team. You do a level of, I think, soul wrestling that, um, you know, that not you are in what, what did Alan Hirsch call it? An ordeal. You're going through an ordeal, um, uh, mentally, cognitively, psycholo- psychologically, psychologically. And so you start to think these things and you start to try to figure out what that guy's not. I know he's not bad. I know he's not bad. I know he's not bad. And so, yeah, you you start probably you set up a condition. So if you come into material like this, you're like, ah, this scratches a deep itch, you know, that I have. And the, the anecdote about the 2006 connect is that. Uh, I, I can't find it to this day, but um, I think it was Linus or Morris or somebody presented a, a dialogue in between the mustard seed and um, and the leaven. And so it was like the mustard seed said to the leaven, you know, I am the true representation of God. Look how strong my branches are. Look how this, you know, and the leaven said, no, I am the true representation of the body of Christ. Look how deeply I can get into the structures of society. And it was just really this dialogue between you know, the the orange uh Christianity and green, you know, Christianity. And both were answering the needs of well, both were attempting to answer the needs uh, of of the contexts where they were. Um, uh, but the dark side of this as well is um, you know, I know I'm talking, 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 I'm sorry, but we sh- we show up in a context um we are not immune from the system we we have a gravitational center somewhere on this developmental place and right. you know the more stress we get under perhaps we go lower so I remember showing up in Uruguay. Um, I, I saw a building. I didn't even know what the building was. It turned out it was later. It was the university. It was the Faculty of Architecture for the National University. It was this big, huge, giant building that looked like a really super modern, you know, uh, progressive, seeker-sensitive church in the U.S. And I remember landing in Uruguay thinking, someday we're going to take that over. We're going to have that building full of programs and worship services and I didn't even know what the building was and and 20 years later when I told that to somebody they were like you are going to start a war on the national university and try to turn it into an evangelical what I don't understand <laughs> you know but by that time I was very deep into like I don't think we need buildings at all we just need to start you know missional businesses and keep everything on the down low and live on our way into society and it was a shift in my own you know it was a shift in my own paradigms
1: yeah wow thank you thank you for sharing that um Stephen, we we keep talking about these colors. And, I, you know, I don't know that we have enough time to go through all of them in, in detail, but maybe give us some insight as to, and again, you know, I, I want to encourage our listeners to try to think in at, at least three dimensions, if not more, mm-hmm. um, but not on a line, um, you know, actually starting right. these kind of as a, a a point and a spiral growing out from that. But
2: can you put a link to Stephen's slide deck that he made the into uh, into show notes? Is that something you can throw up online, Stephen, or is that the copyright? Uh,
0: yeah, certainly. I'd love to share it. So, yeah, we can uh, figure out how to make it shareable or at least PDFs if the keynote won't. So,
1: yeah, we can, we can put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so a quick quick summary uh, of the complexities. And what's what's also really fun about this, I think Matt alluded to it a little bit earlier, was that there are stages of development for cultures uh, individually. There's developmental uh, parallel to the human species, if you're willing to go back that far, and uh, also for each individual human. And so uh, each individual human, essentially, from birth to death, um, has the ability to move through these stages and everybody starts at stage zero at the basic one, the least complex. And then, you know, eventually would move to the next stage, to the next stage and the next stage and how far you move varies a lot, uh, person to person, your context, your, your personality, your trauma. Uh, you know, there's so many factors that are going to influence in that. Uh, so basic stage, uh, zero would be, um, I mean a brown did and there's different colors for these two depending on who you talk to. So um what Beck and Cohen did with Graves, it varies a little bit from Ken Wilber's uh colors. Um like Matt mentioned, uh, the uh Beck and, and Cohen, they their goal was to pick colors that were gonna have no judgment, no you know uh, impact on the society in which they were working and When Ken Wilber adapted it, he changed a couple of them, I think, to more more accurately fit the spectrum of light. And so uh, depending on who you talk to or whose version of this, uh, you might have a a little bit different uh, color breakdown. I have ones that I refer to, so I'll just use those. Uh, But brown or beige would be the first, uh, the most um, basic, and it's often called the instinctive self. It's for newborns. And it just has to do with getting uh basic primary needs met and uh then the next one as you move into a little bit more complexity would be the the magic or the animistic self and this is uh has a lot a little bit more to do with the tribal identification uh we're still pre-rational here uh we're we're thinking more like a, a a toddler uh we're starting to get a little bit of self-awareness but most of our context has to do with the with the tribe or the group or immediate people that are around us. Um, then we, when I say we, I mean individuals, cultures, humanity as, as a species, move into uh, the red name, uh sometimes called the power self, or uh, it's often called the, the magical uh, stage. Uh, this is where uh, power is supreme, might makes right. Our, our thinking starts to evolve into, well, if I can take something physically from the person next to me, then why not? My value system does not go beyond that. There's no morality beyond what I can and can't get away with. And if somebody can exert power over me, well, then they have every right to do that. Um, And then we move past that into the blue or the uh, late mythic, it's sometimes called the rule self. This is where we establish an order. We're tired of just the bullies running around and and taking advantage of us. So we're going to set up some rules. We're going to have laws. We're going to have a code of ethics. We're going to have the justice system to enforce these rules. We're going to have a higher uh, authority, whether it's religion or a government that we're going to sus- subscribe to. And that's going to be the ultimate authority, not just who's biggest and meanest. And then we move to the next level of complexity could be considered the rational self or the scientific mean. The orange is the color that goes with this. And uh, Matt mentioned moving, you know, into that uh, theory of church of, of how do we get more butts in the seat? What are the businesses and the, the top CEOs doing out there to get people to buy their product? Let's do that in the church. Let's uh, come up with splashy commercials and have all the, the, the slide, the projectors and the screens and everything that makes people feel like, wow, we're modern, we're hip. We've got this going on. It's evidence-based. It's science-based. It's what is, what are the, uh, the, the latest and coolest and hippest technologies and whatever, makes sense there is is the supreme uh and then we move into green the sensitive self or um, it's this much more egalitarian it's ecologically centered there is it's getting rid of those previous hierarchies those dominator hierarch- hierarchies and saying everybody's equal equal value equal voice equal contribution we need everyone everywhere all the time to participate nobody's better worth more worth less than anyone else and this brings us to the to the kind of the peak of the first tier, as Matt referred to. Um, what's significant about these six different levels or stages within the first tier is, is as he mentioned, each one sees only its own space. It's only able to acknowledge where a current person, a tribe, a culture, a church, a village, a country is at any one time. That's what's important. Uh, we typically tend to despise the stage we just left and fear the stages ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe I used to think that way. I can't believe I used to believe that. I can't believe my values used to be surrounded by that way of, of being in the world. How how infantile, how juvenile, how pedantic of me, you know? And, and so we look down on people who are "quote unquote" still there. And then the, those folks, or those mindsets, or those books, or those ways of being, or those cultures that are at a more integrated or a more holistic or a more um, complicated level, those guys are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. That's, that's ridiculous. We just keep with what's simple and what's basic and common sense is this, that, and the other thing all predicated on where we happen to be at any given space and time. And so that's, that's first tier thinking, those six stages share that in common. Uh, Another thing I want to point out real quick is that either it's not a static movement either. We don't, just graduate from one and now we're pulling into the next there's there's movement there's a center of gravity and Matt mentioned earlier there's a there's a constant flux and depending on the situation the the life circumstance the people you're with the uh, the other things you might you might move between these stages at different times there's a famous story uh, I think um I heard this from from Donald Beck I can't remember exactly when uh, that that folks that were you know fairly modern fairly well educated had uh, you know moved through a lot of these stages of development that were victims of the uh, twin tower bombing back in in 2001 on 9/11 that uh, either had their house or their vehicles or somehow their life was just destroyed something majorly impacted and, and disrupted their entire world had trouble figuring out how to find a hotel room. They couldn't figure out how to call the insurance company and aid workers that had come in to help were, were literally having to guide them as if they were two girls uh, through these, these process due to the trauma. And so one way we can explain that is to say that because of the incredible circumstances and life trauma they're experiencing in that moment, they had uh, regressed to a, a base level, an intrinsic self, a, a beige consciousness, uh, for that period. And not that they'd lost all the products they'd ever made throughout their life, but for that moment, for that period, uh, they all they could do was figure out how to keep breathing and do basic bodily functions. But to call an insurance or to schedule a hotel room was just beyond their cognition uh, because of the shop that they were in. And so we all can and do move between these. Um, however, where is our where is our focus? Where is our center of gravity? Where is our our primary value system, that's something that is um, a little bit more of what we're identifying by these colors. We don't get all of it and leave everything else behind. Uh, We, we carry with us, we integrate just like a a, a molecule contains many atoms and a
1: um, a Cuban contains many molecules, et cetera. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That, that makes, that makes sense too, doesn't it? That, that we would revert to. I mean, it's kind of like you know the higher order of needs. Your your needs at right. a certain time exactly. You
0: know, um, yeah, yeah, and so, and so we can access those those what those each of those stages affords us at different times based on our situation and and what, especially in yeah. a traumatic situation. Yeah. And
2: one of the things the model says too is that because um, you very quickly re- you know revert to saying like oh is that a green person is that an orange person is that a blue guy is that a amp whatever, and the model would say you know these aren't types of people they are systems of thinking in people, and that if uh, an individual color is like a note then a combination of systems inside a person you know would be like a chord you know and so there's really nobody that is really probably a pure green you know, pure green system, you know, and in fact, you find some people that have a strong green consciousness that want to almost violently aggressively force everybody else to be green like them. And you say, wow, that's that's green and red, you know, green and red, you know, operating together in a way that's 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 a little bit dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those those are sorts of things that uh, that get noted um Stephen, when you were talking about rejecting the phase that came before rejecting it made me it made me think of maybe a little bit of an example of this you know from again from within the christian uh uh maybe even american church is that some point in the 90s um you had this uh book called uh, recovering biblical manhood and womanhood or something like that and it was really a sense of like whoa this has gotten way too orange you know so this blue traditional paradigm is saying this things are way too orange here. You know, you're looking like they're, you know, or way too green, right? Everybody's equal. And, you know, and so that's great. And then 25 years ago, after it's, you know, years go by, it's often corrective. Another book comes out called recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood, right? you know, which is that sense of like, ah, I can't believe we ever thought that way,
1: you know, but. uh... Well, there are so many examples of that from purity culture to, there are just too many. And and that's yeah, another, true. that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So talk now about the, the second tier and is there, is there a chasm between the two? Is it, is it complicated <laughs> to go from tier one to tier two?
0: Keep going, Steven. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Um Yeah. So second tier You know, what really sets it apart from my understanding, and my experience is second tier uh, becomes where you now are integrating all the the stages of first tier in a way that you couldn't as somebody in a first tier stage. And again, this applies to individuals, it applies to uh, communities of faith, it can apply to a city, a state, a country uh, and humanity. Uh, as a whole, so the biggest difference in in moving to second tier is I now appreciate what each of those previous six stages have to offer. I don't look as one is better than the other. I don't see them as you know. I don't fear or despise in the same way I did when I was moving through the stages in the first tier. I see the value in, in each of them. And as as Matt referred to earlier, I have the ability to plop into any of those mindsets cultural uh, stories or or ways of, of being in the world that um, I can move through them freely without judgment, without uh, fear, without regret, I can understand the languages. And so it, it puts you at a level of, as um, Don Beck put it, working for the health of the spiral. Now you're looking at all those stages, and not just trying to move people up to your tier or to your stage as you do in first tier. Man, I wish I could get everybody to think like I do because I, I finally figured it out. Until you don't, and then you move to the next stage. Um, in second tier, it isn't so much about it's helping people be the best of versions of whatever they can be at whatever uh, stage they're at. If they're in blue, you're not just trying to figure out how do I get them to orange. Or say, how can you? How can I help influence you to be the best blue? Uh, until you're ready to move to orange and if you are Uh, or green or whatever whatever color it is it's how can I facilitate you being the best version of that without trying to force you into something else Um, and so it's it's all about balance it's all about holisticness it's all about integration Uh, second tier has its own depending on how you break this down but basically two sets there's you know the integral self and the holistic self and then there's even a third tier they call the unit of self, which is um, way beyond my ability to understand and uh, to get into. So the second tier is really kind of where it, where it tops out for me. of uh, of seen it from a whole different perspective.
1: Hmm. Um, and some of the, some of the research I've done on this is that the original authors or thinkers of, of this system, if you will, um, they left in the unknown, right? Like, we we can only go as far as as we as a human species have come, but there's more ahead for us. So we don't know what those what those are. <laughs> but
0: yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, it's it's not a closed uh, system. It's not they haven't written the final chapter on it. It's we can only see so far ahead. We can look behind, of course, um, but we can only see so far ahead. So if you know, if if in ten thousand years from now we're still around on this. Rock hurtling through space. There might be seventy stages that have been developed, you know, or, or identified. And, and right now, we only have a, you know, less than ten. So certainly, the the to the top is wide open. It's just this is how far we can see back, how what we can see happening around us, and then a small glimpse into the potential future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt, what are some what are some of the pushbacks to to this thinking? I mean, you you both have already mentioned them in the essence of new thinking that can in any way have any disruption of uh of power or even a dominant system of thinking is going to be rejected and that kind of gives you away you know as to
2: yeah
1: as to where you are and that you're clearly still still in tier one but you know the world works that way so i i I, I don't I, i don't mean that in a derogatory sense uh as a world culture you know one could say that the second tier is just aspirational, yeah, yeah, you you could. Uh, I think here's here's some pushback. a pushback
2: from um uh you know, you using using the colors that the model gives. I'm mean, a, a pushback from the green or the postmodern side is uh, hey, how convenient. Here's a model of understanding reality that puts Western white males uh, on top mm. huh, you know, yeah. like, oh. And by the way, we are the most evolved and the highest developed, which I would probably say is actually putting Western white females on top because, you know, they're, they're in the, 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 the compassion and probably, or in that probably like Western white Danish or Swedish or Norwegian female, like that's probably the, you know, the pinnacle of the spiral, but it does, you know, that many people would say, oh, this is very Eurocentric. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so there's pushback uh, on that side, Um, pushback from, uh, you know, from camps of faith which is very interesting and it's one i think about um quite a bit is especially uh how different levels look at religion and look at faith you know so at an earlier level the the earlier you are uh down the rungs the more literal you look at things um you know so it's like oh, uh, the whole you know earth was made in six days about seven thousand years ago and the dinosaur bones are just like fake things the devil made to trick us you know and like All the way to, um, you know, at a very, very high level, you're like, oh, well, the virgin birth of Jesus is just uh, that's just uh, that's sort of a metaphor for the need for the purity of God. And so um, so one has to say, you know, all right, does this does this encompass everything? One of the beauties of the model is it talks about transcending earlier stages and yet including uh, the pieces from those stages. So I don't Mm -hmm. think it's, it's of necessity that someone says, wow, if you're a, you know, an integral theory person or a spiral dynamics, you're, you're actually chucking out, you know, any, any teeth that your faith had left in it. Mm -hmm. You're not, but, but it's a, but it is a significant criticism, um, that has come up as I've thought through it or have had conversations. Um, and then the third thing for me, Steven, you might know more is, um, uh, so we've mentioned integral theory as well as spiral dynamics, and they're really they're sort of uh, they're sort of siblings um, as just models of thought. Very similar. The, the people knew each other, were friends, did some of their thinking together. But um, but Ken Wilber, who is the main theorist with integral theory, has a podcast called Everyone is Right. Um, and, uh, and if you really break that down, um, they're also saying everyone is wrong. And so it's just a it's a it's a less appealing podcast title. But this uh this pushback area of oh you're just trying to create a system where you just throw everything together and say it will all work out you're not you're not willing to give any rigorous you know tell somebody no you are clearly wrong and you need to change you know you don't you don't have any hard edges about you hmm. so I don't know any areas of any else on the pushback side Stephen
0: uh yeah well I mean that's a, you can bring up a good point there that everyone is right I think the way I've I heard it said by people like Wilbur is nobody's smart enough to be wrong about everything. And I think that's a, a second tier way of thinking about it is, uh, you know, if we listen for the the part that's true and what anybody has to offer, we can find it if we're open enough open to that. If we think that, that we're right. And the people that think like us are right and the people who disagree with us are wrong, then that's a, that's a total different approach. Um, and I think I think for me, I probably the only thing I'd add to the pushback is it's it's another thing that's going to vary from from meme to meme, from color to color. So depending on where a person or a culture is in their center of gravity, that's a pretty good indicator of where the pushback's going to come from, um, which is kind of another thing that this tool can be helpful with is if we find resistance in these types of conversations, them, you know helping to understand where that person's coming from and what their values are and why they might resist that um you know for somebody who's in a for instance in a uh, solidly in a blue or amber state where where there's authority where there's a higher structure something that's outside of me that I have to uh, give my ultimate allegiance to uh, well I might resist, a structure like Spiral Dynamics, because it didn't originate with one of those structures that I'd already pledged my allegiance to, and so I'm going to be suspicious, if not hostile, towards that for the for the very reason that it doesn't align with that uh, value system, and it, it may be an unconscious value system too. Uh, and so, again, if you're in a different meme, you may have a different or different color, you may have a different resistance because of it. You know, your values are different, so it can, it can change as much as the as the person or the culture in which they are.
1: Yeah. I I find the the conversation quite interesting when we think about um oh Frial Christianity, if you will, uh, that opening up to see things through different lenses and from different perspectives, even through different cultures can be a threat to what we've tried to define as black and white um so, Kind of given that, Matt and Stephen, how it, it takes a certain level, I think, of um, openness to new ideas to to even want to explore something like this. Right. right. Um, how, though, does this integrate with what you would call your faith at this point? Um, is it is it faith expanding or is it faith constricting?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, or, or and even there, I'm making it a an if this the binary. I, yeah, <laughs> so, sorry about that. No, that's right Stephen, you want to go first?
0: Oh, sure. uh Yeah, I would say you know one of the, the things that you mentioned, Jeff, in, in getting to my answer is that the ability to see the spiral, or in one sense, can have some impact on a person's place in a spiral Uh, so there is a sort of a a minimum amount of stage development that's required um for for a person to even really conceive of this in a a way that we're talking about and so that's not a it's not a put down it's not a criticism it's explaining how the internet works to a three-year-old just just it's only going to go so far there's only so much that's going to be able to be conceived of and processed based on their expansion of the understanding of the world at large and and the concepts that you'd have to introduce. Um, So how it's impacting faith for me, it's um, it's definitely been expanding. Um, I think Matt used a a common phrase earlier, transcend and include Mm -hmm. as moving through the stages, you, you don't disregard and shed everything from the previous stage. You, you include it in and you build upon it. And basically most of us, we stay in a stage until it no longer works for us. There's really not a reason to, to move to a different stage as long as everything's going fine, as long as it fits our need, our daily life, our experience with the world, the worldviews, uh, the inputs and outputs line up. It's it's when we hit the cognitive dissonance. It's when things don't work anymore. It's when the gears get grinded and clogged that we have the opportunity to move to a different stage. Uh, some folks will will double down and and blame and externalize and uh, find other reasons other than uh, examining their own belief system for what they're experiencing. Uh, For people who move through the stages, that's usually the opportunity to re-examine, to process, to deconstruct, to exchange, to try on something different, to explore, to read a different book, to listen to a different podcast, and find out, wow, maybe there is another way to see this, another way to, to view this. And so... For me, that's that's this is walked hand in hand with my evolving faith, with my uh, faith that continues to grow, uh, to get larger, to get more inclusive. Um, it's a transcendent include and and I can watch as I move on different stages throughout my life. I can see how my faith has been parallel to that and even how I would define the word faith and even how I would define the word evolve or, or grow or change, you know, even the even those meta concepts um, have. Um, transitioned as I moved through the
2: stages too yeah yeah I'd say uh that's really funny uh, that you noticed your own sort of binary nature of the question and that uh, just now as I started okay I went ah yes both simultaneously and uh I would say thisly liberating in pointing out um well and tremendously constricting Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jocko Willink has that book "Discipline Equals Freedom," uh, and uh, in my case, you know, instead of sort of taking this model and looking at it as a lens to understand society, I sort of put it, you know, in front of my eyes and my mirror, and I started looking at myself. I've always been drawn, you know, to the con- contemplatives and the mystics. And so from an early age, you know, I'm 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 learning uh you know about the Hesychists and I'm learning the different meditation styles and I'm trying to log hours on a cushion. I'm trying to do the work of what these guys would say, well, that's sort of an upper tier level of development, and yet I can't not overeat at a party. You mm-hmm. know, so I am I'm and um and you know, or you know, pick whatever device, right? So but sure. if so if you start to go, where where is addiction in this model addiction is a red power gods impulsiveness you know and then if you sort of start playing around with some other ideas of like you know internal family systems and some of the other the other fun ways you could play when you put these models together but if you say there is a level that i have not i have not transcended which is this level of impulsiveness in my early development so uh, against that impulsiveness, there is, you know, the stage that comes after red. And this model is blue, which is uh, law and order. It's rules. It's you got to follow the rules. So in my own adult development, um, I, I it's very interesting. Um, you know, here is came out somewhat in my ch- late childhood in a home that didn't have really any rules. You know, I had a parent that worked all the time. I did whatever I wanted. And so no matter, you know, you think of even Paul in the scriptures where he's like that thing I don't want to do. That's the thing I'm doing. You know, woe is me. In some way, he's saying this red impulsiveness. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do. Nobody can tell me no. Um, What it needs is it needs a corrective of, of, of structure of systems. And so that was not something I had in my household. And I had the gift of gab and I had charm and I had presence and I could play guitar. And so I got really fast tracked into ministry and then a church that paid for a seminary because we were so impressive. And I had done missions experiences. Now I'm out on the mission field with my cool novel concepts, my ideas, my big vocabulary, my ability to speak Spanish. And I would say to people, well, how do we, what are we supposed to do? You know, what are the scales and arpeggios of this? And who's my supervisor? And, you know, how many doors do I have to knock on each day? And, well, we're in such a green, paradigm where it's like hey just listen to the holy spirit and do whatever he leads you to do so now i'm i'm trying to skip a stage of development I'm skipping this whole blue stage and then i do that for 20 years or 18 years and i look at project after project and there's multiple lenses the way you can read things but i would i would jump into a project and i would do it for like two years and either it wouldn't take off and be super awesome or i would get bored or get to a level of complexity i didn't know what to do And I would end up like, well, things go through changes and you recycle the old into the new and that didn't work. So we're going to do this thing. And so you ended up with like a a career of 18 years and amazing, awesome things that God did in Uruguay. But there was also a side of it where you say, Wow, this is a guy who had a real strong impulsive red. He could just jump out and start a thing. But when when things really hit the fan, he didn't have the work that one does in this blue developmental stage where you just get down in the trenches and you follow the rules. Hmm. And when it's hard, you follow the rules. And so at almost 50 years old, you know, and doing the job I do now, I get up at 4 30 in the morning, I start at six. I everything is done by checklist. Everything was you know, and then even looking at some of my own addictive drives, I think about two years ago, I was like, I'm getting I'm gonna to go to a twelve step program. It's got very strict rules. You call a sponsor every day, you go to a meeting, you know, an hour a day, five times a week, you do these inventories, and it's all this blue stage that I didn't get. Mm. and, uh, and didn't step into. And so while that has been tremendously constricting and the stuff inside me that has raged against that, are you kidding me? I used to live overseas and I used to do this and now I'm getting up at four 30 in the morning and go into a job site. And, and yet there's something else inside the spirit of God, but also something in my own heart. That's like, wow, I'm getting parented. I'm getting mm. the blue stage. Mm. And so as I do this, yeah, I can sit on my meditation cushion and do my contemplation, and I get a lot more traction than I had ever did in the past because I've learned how to finally stick with something, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, so in that sense, I, you know, the the reading some of this uh, this model, it kind of went like, oh yeah, that's what's going on. I mean, I think as a Christian, I could have said, oh, this is just stubborn sinfulness, or this is my brokenness from my past, or this is, you know, and you keep pressing on. When you look at the system, you're like. For me, it just opened up so much compassion and yet so much hope at the same time. That's such a helpful personal example of integrating and using that model as an individual in your own life, in your own personal development. And I remember when I first heard about all of this, my head was just like swirling with colors and trying to keep track of it. And so I really encourage listeners to look at a picture because that's helpful as you're you know, trying to integrate this into our own way of thinking. But I also remember something that was helpful for me. And I'm wondering, because your individual example is really perfect. Is there another type of example
1: of how this can be used in terms of working with other people, whether that's culturally or in the larger scope of human history? Because some of those practical examples, I think, really bring it home for people to understand this in a tangible way.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, the first thing comes to mind come, comes with some some work relationships. Um, when I was working on Teams. Um, had I had this technology um when I was 27 or 28 years old, um, it would have really it would have helped one, I probably wouldn't have had the capacity to understand it. I probably would have rejected, mm-hmm. you know, but there so that being aside, um, that set aside. This would give language, would have given language um, to a few work situations where they ended up breaking up anyway, sort of team splits and team breakups. Mm -hmm. But I think it would have helped us. I think if there had been someone who was in the seat of this spiral wizard we've talked about, somebody that could say, wow, this guy is very intensely, you know, center of gravity blue, this guy is center of gravity orange let's help them graciously find bigger fields to plow in. Let's help deeply validate where both of them are and find ways where they can join and ways where they can differentiate and, and, and help them each in their own way using this model get a picture of what it is that they're doing. That's still very abstract. It's not necessarily a mm-hmm. super personal example, but if, uh, an older colleague from a different generation, who's very much in the, you know, the blue paradigm, if someone would have been said to him, you know, like this is how you mentor the next generation. You don't need to bring him into your team, you know, by following the rules and the principles of the Bible, mm-hmm. you need to have him you know out there. And, uh, And, you know, something could have been said to me maybe in more in the orange paradigm language that would have helped me understand, you know, wow, it's, you know, it's, you know, really important to value this other colleague and yet still be able to strike out on my own and, and, um, and use this language would have helped us appreciate our differences more Um, and, uh, and uh, someone who could have said, well, of course you're going to do church planting this way. Look at the mindset of the people where you're working. Look at the level of complexity that they can handle. They mm-hmm. need you because you're, you know, your are thinking really resonates with these guys. And then these people very much resonate with these, these folk. And so you really need to go in that direction. That's
1: good.
0: Yeah. If I could add a little bit to that, um, I appreciate Matt and bringing a, a corporate, uh, you know we space level to it. I think about it from a more of an individualistic eye space. Uh, for me, uh, get triggered by somebody, co-worker, colleague, somebody on the news, uh, you know social media post. And uh, you know i've I've started to get into the habit of examining why did that set me off from this model perspective and saying, okay, would the person who said that or acted that way could they be coming from a different worldview? Do they have a different mean? Do they have a different value system? Not better or worse, just different. And oh yeah, they see the world through this lens. I see the world through this lens. Of course, we don't agree. Um, and and I could be okay with that. I don't have to change their mind. I don't have to convince them that they're wrong. I don't have to feel that I'm wrong and I need to change my mind. We can we can. Disagree and and still be friends, which I know most of us would love love to be able to say more often. So that's Mm -hmm. just uh, a tool that's helped me uh, to appreciate the the diversity that's out there without making a judgment on it, which is an important step for me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Um, I, sorry,
2: one, one, one other example. What, what we do now, what I support, I sort of uh, sit on the board of uh, an organization that Tony is driving a lot. Luke Ten, it is, it is super hyper decentralized, super focused on micro church planting, and um, and it doesn't have big, huge, large gatherings and big, huge, large congregations, and. Um, And it's been, you see so many people that have come through there that that have this, you know, this this allergy toward the stage they were in beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so uh, helping these people get this model helps them get greater peace to their past church experience and becomes less reactionary. And it helps them understand, I think, that there's tons of people that without kind of saying, hey, here's the stage and here's the colors, we can just say, wow, it sounds like this model was this. And what do you appreciate it? And and helping people make peace with where they've been, get out of that mindset of demonizing. What did you appreciate about it? What did it give? Um, And it really, you know, there's a lot of pain people have. And once someone really attunes with where they've been and give some language to the bigger picture and helps people make sense of it. in the logical part of their brain, it like releases a lot of emotion and a lot of pain to where they had been. And they can be like, wow, I really appreciate it up until now. And now it's not working anymore. That's mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. It wasn't like they kicked me out or I'm rejecting them or it's just
1: like, Oh, I grew.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's really good. Thank you for, for saying that, Matt, because that's, certainly a reality that we see across culture of um, a rejection of let's call it the religion of one's youth or the religion of one's parents uh, Mm -hmm. and and uh, oftentimes an inability to get out of the condemning hatred that's the worst thing ever what's the matter with you (laughs) kind of place Uh, you know as we walk some folks through you know the term that that's used a lot these days is deconstruction. There are, there are folks that until they can get above that, and I don't mean that in a, in a being better sense. I mean, outside of that, until they can get outside of that, um, the, the real healing and even growth can't happen. Right. I mean, there, there are folks who I run into who say, I haven't been able to pick up a Bible in five years. Mm -hmm. Why not? because I'm I'm mad (laughs) wow okay um dang that's too bad (laughs) yeah so um anyway yeah that's really really helpful stuff you guys thanks so much for taking so much time um to to do this joy any other questions that you wanted to pose before we wrap up this has been really enjoyable to listen to it's a good course little refresher for me yeah, I think uh, our our show notes will uh, be pretty lengthy on this one. Yes. Matt, Matt, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I just told
2: Tony. I said uh, I said uh, to reduce their podcast down to five faithful listeners because <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> they're going to be faithful, but they're they're going to be few. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <That's funny>. uh, <laughs> well, it is a complex subject, but it's an important yeah. one, and it's and it's it is really it is really fun. Uh, my my brain has. Uh, adopted this both from a logic perspective, but also from the dynamic perspective. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of fun for me to look at this and then it applies, it applies everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from how you structure a team to how you run meetings to, I mean, just, it just applies everywhere. So, yeah. um, grateful for you guys. Thank you for the amount of time that you guys spent, uh, researching this, uh, the last number of years, and then sharing some of that with us today, it's been extraordinarily helpful. And, uh, for those of you, um, who want to learn more about this topic, we can certainly provide a number of links in the show notes. Um, but is, is there a way for folks to either get in touch with either of you guys or, or other recommendations that you would might make, um, for, you know, discovering maybe the next level of this?
2: Yeah, I'm. I am happy to leave. Uh, leave. A, a email address, phone number, whatever. If anyone else is around Nashville, Tennessee, and they want to uh, uh, connect on any of this, super, super happy to talk about how it applies in someone's personal life or how it applies in a team they might be on or an organization
1: for working with. Great, great. We'll leave that in the show notes. Stephen, are you open to that as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. Definitely one of my favorite topics to, to chat about. So I always love a, a conversation with anybody that's curious, and I uh, say that they want to do their own discovery. Like we've mentioned, just Google spiral dynamics or, or Ken Wilber. Um, one of the things that's fun about this is there's not a codified, registered, trademark, absolute, you know, end all be all institute where the the, the top down dissemination of this information. It's it's multifaceted and varied, and you can get a lot of perspectives and versions of it. And I think that's what makes it beautiful, is there's no one right only place to find this. So go stumble around on the interwebs and see what you come up with and have fun discovering it if that's your thing.
1: Great. Well, great. Well, thanks so much, guys. And you have been listening to another episode of the Communitas podcast. If you have found this interesting, we do encourage you to pass it along to friends and family. Uh, Leave us a rating on whatever platform you choose to use to listen to podcasts. And if you subscribe to this podcast, you will be informed every time via a message that a new episode is available. So uh, please do that as well. And we look forward to being with you again on another episode of the Communitas Podcast.